0: So, I think if you spread this even a bit longer, users shouldn't even have to be in the position where they have to pick a network, right? Like me as a user, why do I care that there's Binance Smart Chain, that there's Polygon, that there's Avalanche and so on? Like me as a user, I just want to get an easy experience, like I don't care what network I'm on. I just want, and I want to get the best possible price. And I think this would be like the long-term vision. So the first thing is, yes, let's spread out. CowSwap make sure it works, it's compatible everywhere. But then the next step would be, how can we abstract the layer? How can we abstract the user experience in a way that I just go to CowSwap, I don't choose in my wallet what network I'm on. I just say I want to swap X token against whatever token. And if the liquidity is better on Polygon, then freaking bridge the token over for me to Polygon, get the best price, bridge it back to whatever main network I'm operating on, and send it back to, to my wallet. And this is like the medium to long term vision that we have.
1: Welcome to Steady Lads. In this episode, I interview Anna, CEO of Cowswap. CowSwap is a DEX aggregator that has been building some unique innovations in the DEX space that as of late, everyone from Uniswap to 1inch has been forced to take notice of. If you've ever used CowSwap, you'll find it's a dramatically better swapping experience than really anything else out there. I've literally made swaps where I've saved over a $1,000 because of CowSwap. And on the surface, that's what CowSwap is. It's the cheapest transaction possible across all DEXs with an incredible user experience. But under the surface, there's some really insane things happening that make this all possible. And looking into the future, it opens up some pretty incredible new possibilities in the crypto space. So even if you don't care about DEXs at all, there's some serious alpha in this episode on how the space is changing and what to expect next. Well, I guess to start out, can you briefly just introduce yourself?
0: Sure. Um, so yeah, I'm Anna, and uh, originally German, currently living in Portugal, and have been working in the Ethereum blockchain space since 2017. Initially, I joined Gnosis, and, and since a couple of years, I'm now co-founder of Cowswap.
1: Can you briefly Explain what Cowswap is and kind of like the, the different products you guys have built.
0: Cool, yeah. So, Cowswap is part of CowDAO, and actually, now we are engaging in two somewhat quite different products, but still, I think the main focus is on Cowswap. And it is a decentralized exchange, um, so, currently only deployed and available on ethereum mainnet and Gnosis chain, but hopefully, soon also on more networks available. Um, It is um, essentially a DEX aggregator, so that means that other than, you know, the AMMs, right, where you have liquidity pools and you visit Uniswap, you visit uh, Sushiswap, Balancer, and you usually trade just against the existing underlying liquidity pools, um, which can be quite reasonable in prices for smaller token pair trading, but as soon as you want to make a larger volume trade, most likely you don't get the most optimal price and what a DEX aggregator does is it, it splits your trade um, and sends it to multiple underlying AMM liquidity but also gets private liquidity so you can be matched against market makers and now what makes Cowswap unique it can also match you against other user trades. This is something that I mean you might know the DEX aggregator is 1inch Paraswap 0x They also um, split your trade and settle them across multiple AMMs, but what they cannot do is um, settle your trade against other user order trades. And this is like a unique advantage that CowSwap delivers on. Um, And then last point on this uh, to to highlight another differentiation factor is that uh, when we launched CowSwap, build it based on intents. Intents have obviously become very popular in the last year, <laughs> maybe a little overhyped even. Um, but it essentially means that you as a user, you do not commit to a specific execution path. You only commit to the outcome you would like to obtain. So let's say I want to swap token A for token B, and my limit price is X, whatever I'm willing to pay. And then the advantage of this is is that um, Cow Protocol is able to find not only the best execution route for you, but also update it at the moment of execution. Um, Imagine you're a DAO and you place a trade that is maybe not executable right now, but in a few days from now. You don't want to commit an execution path, um, but even for a normal user, um, it also has advantages because the on-chain prices change so quickly that it's good if you have a professional party that, for you, executes the trade and makes sure that um, you only require the limited amount of slippage that needed that is needed to successfully execute your trade. So essentially, you're completely protected. You get it ensures you get the best price. But there's no MEV extraction. Nobody can. Take advantage of your trade and you're very safe. It's a safe environment for trading on chain.
1: Okay. Okay. So sort of to summarize and maybe explain for like the average person that maybe doesn't understand all these things. You have something like Uniswap, which is a DEX where you can, you can trade, you know, different, um, different tokens, you know, uh, on chain. Well, something that like Uniswap has its own liquidity pools. It's like, it's very, uh, it's very focused in that, like, you're only going to get the best prices that you could possibly get on Uniswap. Something like CowSwap is different. It's similar to something like 1inch, you mentioned Paraswap, um, in that it's, it's an aggregator. So it's looking at literally every liquidity source on chain. It's looking at Uniswap. It's looking at Curve. It's looking at like anywhere that tokens are swapped. It's going to look and see what the best price for that swap is. But CowSwap even kind of differentiates itself further in a couple different ways. One, you can have, uh, you mentioned uh, user-to-user trades. So uh, coincidence of wants, uh, which is where you get the name CowSwap. Um, where, you know, if, if one user a is like, I'm selling a, a hundred ETH and you're looking to buy a hundred ETH, well, you're going to match those trades and it's you're going to get a lot cheaper execution price. But on top of that, you had, you mentioned intents, which intents are like this idea of like, you're not like when you click a button on Uniswap, if I'm understanding this right, when you click a button on Uniswap, you essentially are like, you're signing up for like whatever the prices are at that moment. That's what you get. You ain't getting none, none better. But when you click, when you have an intent, um, the more, the, the, the swap is like looking around for the best prices uh over time like you have now like a time spectrum where it's looking for it
0: that depends the time spectrum depends it's user defined um so usually we also try to do fast execution and um it would check what is the best price at execution moment the difference is when you when you swap on Uniswap, um, I think the default slippage tolerance might be 1%, maybe 0.5, not sure. But whatever the default is, is what your order is being put on chain. And your order will be put in the public mempool. And now let's say you have a million dollar trade and you allow for 1% slippage tolerance. That is a quite hefty Um, bucket of money that somebody would like to snipe away from you. So if this order, when you trade this on Uniswap, it becomes immediately available in the public mempool. And now what can happen is that somebody takes advantage of it, says, "Ah, the next block is going to be produced in 10 seconds from now. Let me pay uh, a little bit of more gas cost to ensure my trade is executed before this user's trade. And let me take advantage by changing the price point on the Uniswap pool so that Anna or whoever trades is, is at a one with the 1% silver tolerance is going to be executed at the worst possible price. So then I end up having to pay the 1% and again, like on a $1 million trade, it's crazy, you know? like it's, it's ridiculous how much money people lose. And it's normal that people lose a couple of E's on, on a single transaction. Um, so basically, I change the price point and I gets executed at the worst price. And afterwards, I take advantage of it and trade again against the AMM and make a profit. That's like a, one of the sophisticated ways of taking advantage of other people's slippage dollars. So this is what happens when you commit to an execution. You just sign a Ethereum transaction on CowSwap instead, you sign a message. And that means you say, okay, I'm willing, maybe to have a a 1% slippage tolerance. Um, But then what happens next is we collect the order and then we have a competition of third parties who are compete against each other in finding the best price for the user. So let's say there's like one professional party that says, oh, I'm able to execute this trade by only leveraging 0.9% slippage. But then there's a competition of someone else who says, what, 0.9%? No, I only need 0.5% slippage in order to execute the trade successfully. And what happens means that they these professional parties, they check on chain what is actually required to make sure that this specific trade gets executed successfully hell no, I don't need 1% slippage. I'm completely fine with maybe 0.2% slippage. And this is how they submit the trade. So even now, if it shows up in the public mempool, it will only show up with a 0.2% slippage tolerance, meaning the remaining 0.8% cannot be extracted. And this is like the beauty of the intent model. It gives like a lot of flexibility for people who are actually professional and know what the dangers of the public mempool are to ensure that your trade gets executed successfully without any risk, without any exploitation.
1: Got it. And so you're talking about an MEV attack. So like when you mentioned earlier that somebody will see that your transaction is coming through, they'll, they're like high speed, high frequency trader, they're, they come in quick, they push up the price, you buy pushing up the price further, and then they sell after you making a profit. And so that's what an MEV attack, and it's really hard to avoid. But CowSwap is able to avoid that through intents and in what you guys have built. And uh, the end result, I guess that's the important part. The end result, at least on my end, is that when I go on the Uniswap or I go really anywhere else, even other aggregators, uh, I'll always get kind of like a worse price than I thought. You know what I mean? Like I, I spend, I, I think I'm going to get as, you know, I, I swap a thousand dollars and I get back like nine hundred and. 80 bucks or something, 990, you know, it's never, it's never as good as what I swapped. Cal swap is way different. And literally every time I swap, I get back more money than I thought I would every single time. It is the best user experience I've ever experienced, uh, from a Dex aggregator. And I, I pretty much only use it, um, it when I'm on Ethereum. And, and so for me, for me i I'm kind of wondering like when you're, when is Calswap going to be everywhere because it's really annoying to have to go to the these other chains and not be able to use Calswap. because it's just such a good user experience that once you use it, you kind of struggle to go back to anything else
0: yeah <laughs> I know we've been receiving this user feedback a lot um, so finally, finally, um I've been just working on the roadmap for this year in q one we will still not get to, it, but in q two, yes. So Q2 is going to be the first uh, expansion. We haven't decided yet on the exact order of what network we go on to and yeah, what, what, what range of order. But um, Q2 we start and then we continue Q3, Q4 this year to make CalSOP available on more chains. We have received, like on a daily basis, we receive user requests and we use we will use those also as a prioritization criteria for where we go to next.
1: How difficult is it to expand to a, a second chain?
0: It's not super trivial in the sense that um, CalPortocall also incorporates a lot of infrastructure. Um, And we have been working the last quarter and we will continuously be working on the next quarter on um, decentralizing this infrastructure more and more. Um, Because otherwise, there's a lot of components you need to replicate and adjust per network. Um, and you will also, we will also increase a little bit our DevOps team to support multiple networks at the same time. It's just, it's, it's, I would say it's, it's not so difficult necessarily, but it is resource heavy.
1: Got it. So it's just, it takes a lot of resources from the team to like get these things done, but it's not like with Uniswap or something where. You're having to launch new liquidity pools and you're having to bootstrap all of that from the ground up. Um, you guys could plug into every system that's already there. So you have that kind of advantage.
0: Yes. Although what we do, we are relying on these external professional parties that we call the solvers. We're basically doing the transaction management for users. So we need to make sure that the incentives are there for them to actually deploy on other chains as well. And they are also the ones who integrate liquidity pools. So, usually, not all AMMs have the same design, so, for example, the integrating curve is liquidity is a bit more complex than Uniswap liquidity, just as an example. Um, and so, on, depending on what networks you go on, of course, if it's just like a, a replication of Uniswap, it's easy to replicate the process, but some also have other AMM designs. And that would basically require our solvers then to also look into, oh, how does this AMM design specifically work to integrate their liquidity? So, it depends, like, like if it's the same liquidity sources as an Ethereum, it's fairly straightforward, but some other networks also have different liquidity resources and they might take a little bit of extra effort to, to be integrated.
1: So is that kind of like your vision that eventually CalSwap would be on every major chain? Every, everywhere that you want to swap in crypto, you could use CalSwap. So
0: I think if you spread this even a bit longer, users shouldn't even have to be in the position where they have to pick a network, right? Like me as a user, why do I care that there's Binance Smart Chain, that there's Polygon, that there's Avalanche and so on? Like me as a user, I just want to get an easy experience. Like I don't care what network I'm on. And I want to get the best possible price. And I think this would be like the long-term vision. So the first thing is, yes, let's spread out Cowswap, make sure it works, it's compatible everywhere. But then the next step would be, how can we abstract the layer? How can we abstract the user experience in a way that I just go to Cowswap? I don't choose in my wallet what network I'm on. I just say, I want to swap X token against whatever token. And if the liquidity is better on Polygon, then freaking bridge the token over for me to Polygon. Get the best price, bridge it back to whatever main network I'm operating on, and send it back to to my wallet and this is like the medium to long term vision that we have
1: and so that would be instantaneous. I was going to ask you so uh, do you guys have plans for cross chain swaps? was going to be my next question and um because I've kind of heard it explained in a way that like you know you have um, maybe base so so polygon's a great example you have uh, uh maybe you have eth on ethereum and you want to swap to polygon so couldn't you have like solvers like sort of execute a swap cross-chain using intense sort of I, see I, I haven't gone into the details actually now that i'm talking it out it's a little bit more confusing than I, I thought it was but yeah some something like that where like you know a solvers maybe maybe somebody's wanting to move over to eth another person's wanting to move over to polygon and you kind of like organize those things in the background and swap it <laughs> i don't know
0: yeah exactly no this is exactly on a high level basis how it would work Um, So, for example, it's not implemented yet, but what will work is that you as a user, you go to CowSwap, you would still, in the next step, in the next phase, you would still have to pick destination chain, initial chain, and you can say, okay, I'm on Ethereum and I want the destination chain also to be Ethereum, that's an option too. Um, Or you could say, um, I want to have, uh, like, I'm starting on Ethereum and I want my output to be on Polygon or wherever. Both both are possible. What would then happen under the hood is um, that at the beginning, as a user, probably you would have to say, yes, I'm okay with my funds to be bridged, um, if you go for the option that you want, that the destination chain is Ethereum. so anyway you place a trade very simple as you do right now maybe you just make a checkbox for like yes cost chain is what i want and then we have the same solver competition so i exactly the same way they, they quote prices um whoever gives the best price to you is the one that wins the competition and then gets to execute the price so they would then um take the funds it's so already today the case that they take the funds and basically trigger the trade to be executed on wherever it is. In this case, they would first bridge them over, see maybe, oh, Polygon has significantly better liquidity on this token. Let me bridge it over to Polygon. Let me trade there. Let me get a better uh, return on the funds for this user, swap them back over and return them to the to the user. So essentially, as a p- price competition is there between solvers, server A would say, Oh, my price is I give the user 10 Ether. Server B says, No, I find 9.5 Ether. Server three says, Ah, I, I found this amazing bridging opportunity with a much deeper liquidity pool on Avalanche. So I offer the user 12 Ether. They win the competition. They take the funds, they bridge them over, swap, and then bridge it back. And the user receives 12 Ether. So that's like um, something that under the hood would happen, but the user would just yeah, I got 12 ESA in my wallet and that's it. And then if they go to the uh, Block Explorer, this is where they would receive all the details.
1: So you keep saying bridge over, like uh, the solvers would bridge over, but is it bridging normally like, I don't know, like five to 15 minutes? Would would a transaction just take longer or is there some sort of thing that's getting abstracted away?
0: Exactly, so this is something that's very interesting. We would probably not build this infrastructure ourselves Because there's a lot of projects that work on bridging. Um, And so we would rather collaborate with one of these projects. And we are currently talking to three different projects that offer cross chain bridging to kind of evaluate to understand exactly what are like, how does it work, um, what are the upsides, what are the downsides of each approach. But ideally, um, the idea is that Solvers would have a bonding pool where they um, put some funds into, um, and the user gets more of an atomic experience. So essentially the user deposits, or like doesn't have to deposit, basically just places a normal swap, and then the, um, the, they would immediately get the funds released from the underlying solver who's paying for the swap, and then the, the solver takes the 15-20 minutes, whatever the bridging takes, uh, to get back their own funds. So essentially the, the solver would um, in advance give the user the funds they're wanting to receive and then do the swapping as a next step. So the delay would be for the solver funds, which is their operational business, and maybe they charge a little bit for it but the user could receive an atomic experience.
1: Okay. So this kind of reminds me back in 2017, um, crypto exchanges like had vastly different prices for like even things like Bitcoin. And there was this huge arbitrage opportunity, but the hard thing was like moving between exchanges. So what we would do is we'd have like, you know, 5,000 bucks on exchange A and 5,000 bucks on exchange B. And so, you know, whenever there was a price discrepancy, we would sell on one exchange and buy on the other. And so it was, it made it a way so we can instantaneously like move between the exchanges without having to have bridge it And then, you know, later we, we rebalance the funds. And so it sounds like that's exactly what you're describing. The solvers would do would be that they'd have kind of like the two, their two separate pools on each chain, and then they would, um, use those pools to execute the swap and then bridge back to rebalance. Is that kind of a, a good way to explain it? Yeah, I think
0: that's a good way to explain it. And again, this is like, it, it's. The way that I think, I mean, maybe there's going to be better solutions down the line, but I think from the user experience, what you want is you don't want to wait 20 minutes. And then you could even think of different models where you say the user pays a little bit on top for the atomic experience versus they decide, okay, I don't mind actually however long the, the trade takes. I just don't want to have to go through the individual steps myself. Right, Because ultimately, even if it takes 20 minutes, I'm happy. I just don't want to have to deal with placing a swap first, then go to a bridge, do another few transactions, wait, be worried that it gets executed or not, and when it gets executed, then do another swap. Just basically outsource all this process. I don't care if it takes 20 minutes. Just get it done for me. So th- those are two models, but um, I think the user should be able to choose whether they want immediate um, execution or if they're willing to wait. Because depending on the use case, maybe you want, maybe are in a situation where you just are like, okay, this needs to be done fast, I'm already late with doing something, or uh, there's a major liquidity event happening, like I'm on the time crunch, I need to get this done now. Or you're relaxed and you don't really care as long as the trade gets executed. But the, the user should have the able to the ability to choose.
1: Got it. Okay, okay. So to kind of summarize, Calswap right now is like doing awesome. It's aggregating across all these DEXs. It's looking for the best possible um, price for any given order, and it, and it's giving that to the user. Even looking across like user-to-user orders. And again, I've literally had times where I've gone to make a swap and I've saved like $1,000. It was a pretty big swap, but I saved like $1,000 using CowSwap versus something like Uniswap. Um, which was amazing, but what you're saying is, out in the future, you know, the vision is cow swaps across all these chains, and you could you could execute an order on, say, like, um, you know, Ethereum, and it's going to look on Arbitrum, it's going to look on Polygon, it's going to look, you know, maybe even on Solana, maybe you guys go to the SVM, I don't know, it's going to look everywhere, and it's going to say, where's the best p- possible price for this swap in every liquidity pool everywhere, and then um, this is the the like grand vision, and then it'll execute that swap, um, giving you the best price you could possibly get in. Every chain, everywhere, and so, and, and it might even be like par- partial swaps. Like maybe you do a little bit on Polygon, a little bit on Ethereum, and it's just like kind of taking little chunks from each place. Uh, but but the but the user wouldn't care about this and really even know about this. It'd be all instantaneous in the background, and to the user, they're just like, wow, I got a really good <laughs> price for the swap. Um, that, that's kind of the vision for Calswap. Okay,
0: that's a really nice summary, and not only that. I mean the the Reason for why we're called causal is what you mentioned at the beginning: coincidence of ones that we match different user orders together. So, of course, you can do this in a cross-chain environment as well. So, let's say that me as one user want to exchange something on Avalanche and someone else and and want to bridge over to Polygon, and someone from Polygon wants to bridge over to Avalanche. You would be able to match those trades together as well. Um, or even if it's the same direction, even if two people want to like swap something that has a better price on Polygon, they can be batched together in a single transaction and additionally provide price benefits for the user by doing so. So in a cross-chain scenario, the the abilities of what batches can offer and the price benefits that they can deliver to users are even magnified more.
1: Yeah. And I imagine like coincidence of wants right now, there's like so few users on chain, like comparatively to something like a centralized exchange or just like the total user base that there could be. There's just not a lot right now. But as crypto continues to grow, that coincidence of wants will become like, you know, ever, ever more useful. Right. It's like it's becomes compoundingly more useful and effective, the more users there are executing swaps on chain. And so over time, I, I can imagine like, that, that's a pretty big advantage you guys will get, you guys will be able to have um, over the long run.
0: Yeah, exactly, it's, it's completely true. Like, of course, with like, I mean, the, the benefits we deliver on, uh, are already quite good, not all, like depends very much as on what token pairs you're trading on. Like for example, if one is really hyped at the moment because there has been an airdrop, CalSwap is a great destination because there's a lot of traffic, so there's a lot of coincidences at once. Um, a token that rarely ever gets traded can, can still be good to trade on CalSwap because, again, there's such a strong competition on price finding that even if it's a rare token, you probably get a better execution on CalSwap than you would get somewhere else because we can tap into so many different liquidity pools and routes. But like, the, the batch advantages themselves, they really come with when tokens are frequently traded. Um and so yeah, that's true. So the more users we get, that it really has this positive network effect, which is the beauty of cows of like the more users know about cows of the more they try it, the more the better prices users get in the end. So it's really something the more you share it. The more the returns for yourself,
1: and I just kind of want to highlight because I've used everything. I've used One Inch, I've used Paraswap, I, I've used every aggregator out there, every Uniswap, all that, and Calswap is like, in my opinion, like leagues ahead as far as user experience, like overall price, everything. Like, uh, for me, it's the when I can use it, it's the only thing I use. And so uh, I just want because I think some people out there probably listen to this and be like, "Isn't this the same thing as One Inch? Isn't this the same thing as Uniswap?" No, like go use it. If you've never used Calswap, just go use it once and you you'll see what I mean. You'll be like, wow, this is an incredible user experience. There's just something almost unquantifiable. It's just when you get that UX upgrade, you're like, I don't ever want to go back to anything else. Um, so I was going to ask you, what other things does CowSwap do? You have like programmable orders. Um, I, you guys made a big announcement about that recently. Can you go into maybe some of the other stuff uh, that CowSwap does as well as kind of out in general, some of the other things uh, and products you guys have?
0: Cool. Yeah. Maybe to add a little bit more context to the programmable orders. Um, one example of uh, what is enables that is already live is T-WORK orders, so time-weighted average price trading. That means that if you want to um, consistently place a trade over a period of time, um, let's say, for example, every every month or every uh, every day, I want to or every two hours, whatever you want to define as parameter, I want to place a trade of the size of X. So let's say um, every I want to say one ether every week for USDC. Um, usually, if you do try to do this on the Nomadex, this is an not annoying experience. You have to place every order individually. And because we place it one time, it's a try it out. It's actually fairly um, easy uh, once you try it out how to set this up. Uh, and you you place one order and that's it. It does execute it for for you for however long you want wanted. And there's even more advanced stuff that is enabled with pro- programmatic orders. Now, let's assume you have like a, um, for, for example, you have um, a backed loan on MakerDAO um, and you're backing it with Ether, And now there's a huge decline of the ESA price, unfortunately. Let's say suddenly it's uh, going down from $2,000 to $1,500. Um, so, your CDP, I think they're not called CDP anymore, actually, but it's basically your portfolio is at risk, right, of being liquidated. Um, and so, what you want to do is you want to back it up with additional ease to make sure that you don't get liquidated. Um, but do you want to manually check all the time or what you could do alternatively is set up a programmatic order with help of COW protocol where you, would automa- where you would basically set something up that checks the on-chain price point. It sees, oh, Ether is going down in value. Your portfolio is at risk. Let me buy from your account additional Ether and send them back into the portfolio to make sure that, that it is secured. Um, and there's plenty of different use cases, essentially, around programmatic orders. Like anything that, you, like, you can be very creative about it. Anything that... Um, could help you to automatize your your DeFi portfolio. You can do with programmatic orders, and yes, yeah, so it is one product. And then the other one that we launched that we are also really excited about last year is pre and post order interaction that we call so called the hooks, the cow hooks, and it allows you to combine a bunch of transactions in into a single transaction. So let's say. Um, I want to go to Aave and I want to um, lend something. I want to take up a loan. Um, and then I want to swap this against another token. And then maybe after I want to bridge it over to another network, I can put this all into a single transaction. Um, and yeah, the, the, also there, the, the possibilities are endless. You can basically add any sort of DeFi interaction. Um, put a swap in the middle of it and add any other, uh, different interaction after it and make it a single swap. And again, it's following the intent-based model where you don't have to worry. You can just wait and relax until it gets executed in the best possible way for you.
1: What would be the benefits of, of putting a bunch of transactions together like that? Like, um, why would somebody want to do that?
0: I mean, the simplest implementation that we are using is gasless transactions, uh, gasless a- a- approval. So basically, um. You you know how annoying that is the user experience of like ooh, let me approve uh, a token first let me wait until the token is approved yeah. <laughs> and then I go and do the swap you know it's just like it's it's you don't you don't want to have to wait in between you just want to be okay I, this is this is the token I want to trade approve swap in one go without individually having to do the the steps
1: so it's just everything batched together so you're not having to yeah okay so it's like a, it's a, a, another UX UI upgrade correct. Um, and I was going to ask, uh, going back to the programma- cr- programmable orders, is that meant mostly for like DAOs and like different apps and things like that? Um, or because I, I definitely some people take out loans and are going to want to reimburse that. But I noticed that when you go to use that, at least last time I checked it, I thought it was only for the Geonosis wallet, right?
0: Um, so the reason it's, it's, it's smart, con- smart contract wallets at the moment. Um, it's because the way it's implemented, it basically requires specific um, signature implementation that is currently not implemented by EOAs or supported by EOAs. But we are actually having this on the roadmap that uh, to replicate a very smooth UX process that would allow you to leverage these order types also from your normal EOA externally owned account, like MetaMask or whatever you're using. But yeah, correct. At the moment, it's smart contract account specific, but roadmap Q1, Q2, hopefully, it's gonna be extended to uh, to normal. QoS.
1: Okay, okay. So it is for it is for just everyone. I so I thought that was a design choice, like okay, this is for more like treasuries and things like that. But we're saying is no, it's really just some creative building blocks that anyone could use. You don't really know exactly everyone who will use or, or the use cases that will come up with it, but it allows it makes things easier for the average user. Um, And it allows a lot of customization to maybe open up new use cases uh, that are unique that you couldn't do before because you're kind of, um, you know, allowing these things to be automated, a lot of automated building blocks.
0: Yeah, correct. And I mean, it's also true to say that, of course, the first user group that we had in mind that is like most keen on trying it out are the ones that are managing large portfolios, because those are the ones that are also like um, usually very tedious about all the different work steps that are required. And um, have huge portfolios at risk and so they are like really keen into automatizing some of the processes um, but the plan is really to, to allow this to like give this opportunity to everyone um, so first of course we started with we started with the generous underlying design concepts the smart contracts that enable this Um. And then we implemented a couple of use cases on top, like TWAP. But now we are also financing by our grants DAO any ecosystem developers to basically come up with their own implementation um, and open source it
1: so everyone else can use it. Well, last I heard you guys were doing, or there was a proposal in the DAO to do like some sort of fee mechanism to fund the DAO. I didn't look into it a ton, but did that end up going through or, or how are you guys funded? How is the DAO funded right now?
0: Um, so the DAO is funded by um, when we initially spun out of Gnosis in 2021 in February, um, there was a fundraising round, but it was um, partially private, partially public. Um, so there were VCs, angel investors, um, partner projects that are invested um, and ten million dollars were collected. But additionally, um, there was basically everybody who was, to some extent, a member of the cow community. Whether it was because they were CowSwap users, GNO holders, or like and and de- develop products around CowSwap, they were all eligible to also participate in the round at the same evaluation, of course, as everyone else. And, um, so they were given, everybody was given options to participate in the investment round. And through that, an additional $5 million were collected. And yeah, all those funds, are in, in the DAO, and now are basically up to the cow token holders to, to vote on what those funds are being used
1: for. Got it. And the, that proposal though, for the fee mechanism or like, is there any sort of revenue stream that comes from cow swap that. Flows in, or how sustainable is, is the DAO over the long run?
0: Yeah, so that is actually something that is very a new change, and there's a proposal um, in the forum at the moment for the DAO to start experimenting with the fee model, and the idea is to only take fees where um, CowSwap is providing a better price than the competition. So, for example. Um, when you place a limit order anywhere else, like one inch or wherever, you get the exact limit price, right? You say, you say, I want to sell my ESA at $2,400, you get exactly $2,400. On Cowswap, based on this intent-based model, um, you actually have the opportunity to get more money out of it. Maybe you get $2,500 for your ESA. So, for sure you get a hundred dollars more than you would get anywhere else. And now the idea is to take potentially a cut from this extra value that's created for you. Because if if that happens, then um, Kauda would, again, like, of course, ultimately it also needs to be um, self-sustainable and not rely on external funding. So the idea is to come up with a conservative fee model that is like not really impacting the, the user journey. It still, and ensures that the user is getting better prices than elsewhere. But it also, at the same time, allows Kauda to start having a revenue. Source.
1: So the the DAO, the community voted and said, "Hey, we want to try this out." And the idea is, like I, I mentioned, I've done a transaction where I saved a thousand dollars on that transaction, and you would say, "Okay, you, you, we saved you a thousand dollars." Out of that thousand, we saved you. Not on top of anything else. Just out of the thousand, we saved you. So if you went to Uniswap, you'd have paid that thousand to MEV and all, all over the place, right? And instead, we saved you a thousand. So we're going to take like you know maybe out of that thousand like fifteen bucks or something, or maybe out of a hundred bucks you're taking three or something. I don't know. You're taking a small chunk of the money you saved, not on top of anything else. Like there's still they. I it, say you took uh, ten bucks out of that thousand or a hundred bucks even out of that thousand. I still saved nine hundred dollars. So I saved nine hundred dollars. Cowdow's funded. Uh, that's kind of the idea.
0: Exactly. That's exactly right.
1: That's cool. Okay. Um, w- w- what does the future hold for for CowDAO? Oh, a- well, actually, before we go to that, you mentioned so. There's other products for CowDAO that you guys offer besides CowSwap. What are those?
0: Yes. Um, so there is one more that we launched last year. It's called MathBlocker. A little bit of a background around it. It's like really like the reasoning or our mission for um, for CowDAO is we want to protect users. There's a lot of risks in DeFi. Um, MEV is one of them, a major one that's costing users millions of dollars on a yearly basis. And um, we think that it's not feasible to expect that every user knows of those dangers and how to circumvent them, how to navigate around it. And we also don't think it's sustainable. Like if if we want this ecosystem to grow, um, it's going to be very difficult if these. Um, money extraction keeps happening. And also, ultimately, why are we in blockchain? It's because we want to improve the existing financial ecosystem and we don't want to replicate a system or make it even worse. And so for us, it's really like our mission is put the user first, no matter what, always ensure they have a good UX, ensure that they're not losing money on the way and they're protected all around. And this is really what we have at the core for CowSwap. However, CowSwap is only a DEX, right? Like, it, it gives you the protection, but it gives you the protection only for DEX transactions, and there's other transactions that are also at risk for MEV attacks, um, Oracle updates, NFT tradings, other things, and so we wanted to have a more holistic solution as well that um, allows other users that are not doing a DEX trade to also protect themselves. And this is why we launched MathBlocker, which is an RPC endpoint. So, you as a user inside your wallet, you usually uh, the default is often in inferior. At least if you use MetaMask, there's a few others like Alchemy. Um, but you can change that. You can decide yourself where you want your transactions to be submitted to. And so, MathBlocker offers you to submit your, the possibility to submit your transaction privately. And you actually have a couple of different choices. You can either either say it should be entirely private or you can say, um, actually, just protect me against the harmful MEV, front-running sandwiching. Make sure that this transaction data does not show up in a public mempool where someone takes advantage of my slippage. But there is... Another type of MEV basically this a way of extracting value from a trade that is not taking away your own money. But with with your trade you're creating an opportunity. It's called basically back running. So let's say now you change an on-chain price point, like I, I change the price of the of a Uniswap pool. Um, but the sushi swap pools still has a different price, and now it's a little bit what you mentioned before about in the past was like
1: different
0: exchange trading. They have different price points that gives a, that gives you an opportunity to do an arbitrage trade and make a little bit of money from this. And this exists uh, still, right? Like a, a lot of trades are creating these type of opportunities. So nobody's stealing money from you, right? You change the price point, but none of your money is taken away. It's just like you're creating an opportunity. And most users are not sophisticated enough to take advantage of that. So, but if you still want to make a profit from it, you can, trans- you can use this other endpoint from MathBlocker, where you say submit privately to protect me against front running and sandwiching, but allow the back running opportunity. Then you give searchers the right to back run your transaction. And then they are um, by design forced to give you a 90% refund of that. So they get to keep 10%, but uh, the user receives a 90% refund of this. And yeah, this is basically a way not only to protect yourself on any order type against MEV, but additionally to also make some, some money based on, based on the opportunities you create on chain.
1: So for the RPC, I've heard of a couple projects. I I talked to a project recently that was doing their own RPC too. Do you kind of like expect users to just manually add this RPC to the wallet? Are you expecting like wallets to be like, hey, we're going to incorporate this RPC from the get-go? What's kind of like the business model to expand the use of this RPC?
0: I think honestly, um, if wallets want to provide a good user experience, they should be the ones that change it per default. They can even give you, they can educate users too, right? They can give the option. They can say, this will be the default. This is the one that protects you. These are the advantages. Just, you know, if, if they feel like they don't want to like just change it for the user, they could give an education and say, these are two options you choose. Maybe we recommend one or the other.
1: Okay. So it's a, it's a tool for wallets, but also for apps and all kinds of stuff, right?
0: So the apps usually for, for, for mobile um, applications, yes, but like if, if you're just going to use any application online, like one inch or whatever, that's not where it's decided where the user transaction is sent to, right? This is decided in your wallet. So in that case, it is you either require the user to update it manually or the wallet does it by default. And the outreach we are doing, we are talking to a lot of wallets, educating them about the different options, because I think also a lot of wallets are not super aware they're not super aware of the ups and downsides, and um, it's maybe not top priority. Um, but we are currently trying to like educate different wallets and like have a few onboarded. Even Uniswap, um, the mobile application, is submitting via Math Blocker.
1: Wait, you know, you're saying they are updating? They're using your Math Blocker? Yes. Oh, okay, that's awesome. Um, and I, obviously, you know, it seems like there's almost a theme with cowdao and it's it's like make the user experience better make the user experience easier and make it harder for the bad guys to, uh, you know, <laughs> go and do bad things to users. Um, wh- wh- is there any other products you guys have in the work for cowdow that are not CowSwap or the RPC
0: for now, only those two. We also try to have this like focus, 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 because I think even within, ca- even within those two products, there's like an endless amount of possibilities of features we can add. So we rather want to have the focus and like have, Fast progress rather than be too widespread and have slow progress everywhere.
1: I love it. Oh, we didn't talk about with CowSwap how you guys do you guys have like um a Dutch auction style versus I, I've heard that a lot. So in the in the Discord and different things like that, you guys are like super proud of like or no, you guys don't have a Dutch. App. You guys have a certain auction style and there's a certain other auction style that's used. And can you explain the differences between yes. those?
0: So, um, I mentioned we were the pioneers initially of this intent based model that offers a lot of advantages. We then got copied by one, by one Inch when they launched One Inch Fusion in, I think, January last year, and then by Uniswap when they launched Uniswap X last year in summer. So, they started doing a very similar intent based model, mm-hmm. but it still just differentiate to some extent in the mechanism. Both of them, uh, one Fusion and Uniswap X, are using an auction design um, of exactly a Dutch auction. Um, By auction design, what we mean is when they take your order, they are also not executing it themselves. They have also a price competition of who is executing the trade for you on your behalf why we call them these professional party solvers, Uniswap calls them fillers and like 1inch calls them resolvers, but they're all the same thing. <laughs> Actually, a lot of them are like even engaging across different <laughs> protocols. Um, and so, so that's just stick to the, to the name solvers. Um, so what happens on, on Uniswap and in 1inch fusion is one user order gets in, a single one that is not being batched and they start a price auction at a high price. It's like, let's say, um, I want to sell uh, my 100 die, um, and my limit price is like, again, 1%, like my, my slippage my slippage um, willingness, like the amount that I'm willing to lose on this trade is 1%. So what they would do is they would start the, the, the price auction at $100, and then go down slowly to, to $99, and then in the meantime, the their solvers would participate and say, oh, I'm a- able to execute this at $99.5. And whoever starts first or submits their bet first is the one who gets to execute the trade. So essentially, um, yeah, but what happens is you don't, uh, you, you basically go down in the price and whoever is first in to say it's me, they get the right to execute the order. This is the same more or less for Uniswap and for One Inch. On CalSwap, it's a bit different. On CalSwap, a huge difference is you look at the multitude of the order book. So you get to not only do a price auction for each individual trade, but for all transactions that are in the order book. Um, which allows you to batch them together, right? Like, which allows you these additional price benefits of by batching, re- having reduced gas costs, of um, being able to have a lower surplus tolerance, et cetera. And then how our auction works is um, you have essentially these solvers who um, look at the holistic order book and then submit a price vector. They say, ah, my price vector is X. They all submit them at the same time, so not knowing what anyone else was bidding or competing. And um, then the one that has the best value for the user is the one that's being picked.
1: And what's that auction style called?
0: Um, the auction style that we are using is essentially, in uh, the moment we currently doing it is the second best price bid because the way that we reward servers is, that's actually another point, is... Um, you get a higher reward if based on how much better your solution is compared to the second best. Because otherwise, the incentive would be, ah, as long as I'm one cent better than the next one, I win the auction and I, I, and I get to execute it and I get my reward. But instead we say, no, one, being one cent better just gives you, a one, well, it gives you a one cent reward. So you need to be significantly better compared to the second best solution in order to get a significant reward. So it's a second second price bid auction.
1: And, and what do you feel distinguishes that against the Dutch-style auction that makes it better for the user?
0: The, the huge advantage is you're able to bet. The, because if, if in a Dutch auction, they only do one individual trade, right? Because you start at exactly the highest price the user is willing to pay and the price reduces over time. So now, let's say after one, even if after two seconds, another trade comes in, even if it's the same token pair, the, and even if it's the same amount, the first one started at $100, right? And now two seconds later, it's already down to like, whatever, like $0.95, cents, or like sorry, like 90, $99.95. cents But the other one is still at a hundred dollars, so it's impossible for any solver to match these two trades together because you have no guarantee, even if you win this one, you have no guarantee that you also win the second auction. And so you will never be able to match those trades together Whereas on on the way that our model works, essentially, you are able to take the order book holistically, submit one single score across all, all orders that were submitted, and then leverage these price benefits even directly within the auction. So, if I see on CowSwap there's 10 orders selling USDC for Ether, then now I'm able to, and I already foresee that I'm able to batch them all together, hence I'm going to get the user significantly better prices. I already incorporated into the score I'm submitting to CowSwap in order to win the the competition.
1: Okay, okay, I see, I see. So it's kind of like, maybe it's a good analogy, it's like a really high level analogy, but like if um, you had a bus, right? And every time somebody gets in that bus, it's gonna cost a hundred bucks to move that bus from point A to point B. Uh, But, and so typically kind of like what Uniswap, X and one issue are doing is like, you know, they're, they're allowing one user into this bus. And so there's, it's not actually a $100 fee, but you get the idea. It's like it, only one user at a time, like they're kind of restricted in how their cost is going to require. What you guys allow is like, hey, if you have a bunch of users going to the same place, they can all get on the bus and they split that fee. And so now that fee is massively reduced. And so um, the more users you can jam onto that bus the cheaper it is going to be for them. And so your style of auction kind of allows these batches to happen where people kind of batch together where their style of auction doesn't allow that same uh, principle.
0: Yeah, that's a very nice analogy. <laughs> or you could say Uniswap users are driving taxi and paying, you no, know, they are driving the same, that they're, they're paying taxi prices. There you <laughs> go.
1: <laughs> there you go. Um, cool. Okay. I, I just heard so much about the the Dutch auction versus the batch auction. Maybe it's, is that what, it, what you'd call it? Batch auction? Mm-hmm. Okay, the batch auction you guys use, and so I wanted to jump into that. Uh, next question, what's the future hold for for CowDAO, and like, what are you guys excited about looking forward? I know you talked a little bit about like moving to different chains and kind of some of the cross-chain stuff. Um, just what are you guys really excited about moving forward?
0: Um, there's a few things. Um, it's not fully decided yet which and what order we're going to execute on those, but um, we want to expand on both programmatic orders and on the hooks. Um, for the programmatic orders, we want to ensure that uh, we implement a lot of use cases that are also more user accessible, what you mentioned before, that it's easy to do it out of your own MetaMask account, um, that it's very intuitive how to use it, and that there's a lot of different um, order types that are supported. And then on the hook side, um, we want to build a UI or incorporate into the existing of UI the possibility to very simply choose and collect um, what pre-order interaction you want to do. Like, for example, just like like think of an app store. It's just you go to the cost of your eye and see like, oh, I want to use actually landing whatever first. You just pick and choose it. Um, then you say, OK, I want to swap X for Z. And then as my post hook, I want to do whatever it is, like if I want a bridge or whatever it is. And it's like for right now, it sounds very complex and abstract. But if it's simply made visible in a UI, where you just pick and choose, and you pull things together, and then it's, you do one click, it should significantly improve the user experience and make it very easy to, to understand, like, what the different options are. Um, so that's another project we're working on. Um, the layer 2 is obviously a big one um and then yeah there's a few other projects but we haven't decided yet uh, which one we're gonna pick next but cross chain for example is something that's also under discussion
1: i am so excited to see the, the you guys on other chains and uh, obviously cross chain will be amazing but again literally every time i have to go use a different swap i almost i'm annoyed actually i just use my in wallet swap when i have to go to a different chain because i'm like whatever, you know, it's, it's, it's easier um, and it does kind of like aggregator. But when I go to Ethereum right now, it's like, I don't use my in-wallet one and in Rabi. I go straight to CowSwap. I was going to ask, and I kind of ask everyone this question, and it's really just for fun um, because I'm always, I'm just always curious what people are excited about. Um, what tokens or projects besides Cow are you like interested in or are you like excited about or you're like, oh, this is pretty cool?
0: Ooh, that's always so hard because you also don't want to like give advice on something. You're not giving any advice. Though.
1: It's just like what are you excited about? It's not like what do you think price will go up on? What's like catching your attention? You're like, oh that's interesting. I like that.
0: Yeah, there's a few things, but um I would uh, I, I don't know, when, just to mention it also, because it's like a sister project is the, the, the Gnosis Safe, I think in general has like a huge potential of what it can achieve. Um, and they, they rolled out not a token in that sense, right? But they have like a something that I think it would, yeah, it, it, basically, they, they they did the add but it's not, it's not, um, uh, transferable yet, or it's not movable yet, and uh, I think that's something that is exciting to see what happens when that it turns out to be the case. Um, but in general, they have an exciting roadmap. I don't know how much of it is public, but the Safe is definitely something to keep an eye on.
1: Okay, okay. I've used Safe Wallet uh, a couple times, just kind of playing around. That's I, I think the, the smart contract wallets are always pretty interesting, kind of like all the stuff they can do. Uh, I still feel like every time I use it, I'm like. It's almost there. I'm almost excited about it, but I still kind of find myself using uh, Rabi for the time being. Um, but I know I know we're getting close. No,
0: but Rabby uh, Rabby is a really good individual wallet. Definitely recommend that one. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh my gosh. Versus MetaMask, it's like literally going ten years in the future. Like I get on Rabby and I'm like, why would anyone ever use MetaMask? I don't understand why more wallets it's don't. Much
0: more innovative and so and it's just moving much faster.
1: Yeah, and it tells you all your stuff across everything and like. But the biggest thing for me is like, it just annoys me that MetaMask never, all these years, and they still haven't made like. A transaction human readable like oh by the way this transaction is gonna drain your wallet that's such an easy thing in my mind like with their team and the amount of money that's poured in they should have had that years ago they would have saved mi- probably hundreds of millions of dollars i don't know how much money they would have saved users by just that simple function but they're like no <laughs> we're not gonna do that so yeah rabbi uh, phantom does that too it's just i, li- I like to see that that's kind of why i'm drawn towards uh, Cal, swap is cuz there's like this new batch of like builders that are like we're really concerned about ux uh, ui making things really good and that's what i see out at of a, at a cowswap and that's what i see out of you know wallets like rabby and i think you guys are are primed to kind of take over the space because you know you had the first batch which they just got minimum viable products out that you could use but they weren't easy to use they're kind of confusing <laughs> and you guys are saying hey we're taking these confusing things for making them easy to use uh, so your grandma can you know execute a swap on, on chain that's what we that's what we need to see um
0: at least that's where we're heading yeah, yeah that's
1: where we're heading uh, another kind of fun question that i ask everyone is just your opinion as a builder in the space where do you see crypto going in 2024 2025
0: yeah, I mean, this is a short time frame, so I wouldn't see huge jumps there yet. I mean, account obstruction is one thing that seems to be ongoingly popular that will have an impact. Um, I think cross-chain is definitely becoming more of an issue because more more, more of a topic, more DEXs are looking seriously into enabling this um so i think by by 2025 we will have significantly or i hope so is significantly improved cross chain experiences um Yeah, so generally, I think it will be two years of continuously improved user experience, at least this is what I really hope. And I think if you see where we came from since 2017, we have already done a major progress, but I feel like um, the more we advance in time, the less time we need to accelerate the progress we're going to make. So like the last five years, it took us a long time to make small progress items. And I think in the next two years, it's going to be the, the progress speed is going to be accelerated.
1: I'm with you. I, I don't know if you've seen kind of what Polygon's doing with their interop layer, but that gets me super excited. I'm like, oh, you get it. They, they have like basically that you're able to bridge between chains in like seconds. And you don't even notice it's abstracted away from the user. So you're like uh, once it comes out and they're expecting it, I think in late 2024. So it's right where you're saying, you know, I could go use a, a standalone app. Um, you know, maybe like CowSwap, right? Maybe cow built on the interop layer and polygon. And I'm like, boom, uh, you're swapping across thousands of different chains built on this interop layer. Uh, but it's as if they're all the same chain that, that kind of stuff gets me really excited. Cause I'm like, that's what we need, uh, to, to see more adoption. Uh, cool. Well, uh, as always, none of this was investment advice. Well, actually, before I get to, before I get to that, is there anything I didn't ask? Is there anything I didn't ask that I should have asked that you're like, hey, this is a pretty cool thing to talk about relating to Caldow?
0: No, I think you did an amazing job moderating. <laughs> so nothing else to
1: Thank you. Okay. Well, as always, none of this is investment advice. None of this is us telling you to buy anything. And as always, you know, crypto is risky. Cow swap. uh, Cow swap's pretty, I mean, I like cowswap. I feel pretty secure on there, but maybe the cow token uh, could be risky. We don't, we don't know what it's going to do, price up or down. Who knows? We're not, we're not commenting on any of that stuff. And um, I am a holder. I hold cow. So you, that's, you should be aware of that. Um, if, if people want to follow you, you or uh, cowswap, cowdow, and kind of figure out what you guys are up to, where should they go?
0: I think our Twitter account is the best for this. It, so it's just at cowswap. Okay. Um, and then, yeah, that, that's where we have post continuously all updates that are interesting. Then we have a Discord. If you want to like dive deeper into a topic, talk to like more expert, have any developer questions or anything else, any feedback, Discord is a great channel. to. to...